Good morning. Wow, you are so much more alive than the 9 o'clock service. I mean, it's like pulling teeth to get a hello from that, that crowd. I am glad you're here today. Welcome to Community Christian Church. We're glad that you're here with us. If you're online, glad you're with us as well. And, and I just have to say this. I am really, really struggling with this new series that we're doing called No Offense. Uh, reading through this book called Unoffendable, listening to some teaching by Craig Rochelle, by some other people, a lot of personal stuff with me. I'm struggling because I keep being offended. And now I'm accountable for how I act when I'm offended because I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm teaching this to myself just like I'm teaching it to you all. And it's difficult. It's really tough. It really, really is. Anybody offended this week? Raise your hand. Anybody? Okay, the rest of you are liars, so I, maybe that offended you. I don't know. We all get offended. You know, I'm offended. Charlie called this vineyard. I'm offended by that. Yeah, no, Charlie, I love you. He's in the back right now. Um, he was at vineyard for a long time, so no, no issues with that. I love you. Um, I'm offended. Any, anyway, we're just... Um, anybody else offended this? Anybody watch the Super Bowl? Was anyone offended while watching the Super Bowl? Anybody offended by the refs? Okay, yeah, yeah. Anybody offended by the halftime show? Anybody offended by Kansas City winning? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, well, there's a lot to be offended with that, right? I, I mean, did you notice, and hopefully you did, the He Gets Us commercials during the Super Bowl? Now, these have been running for a while uh, just on TV, and I think there was $100 million spent total on these, these commercials that are out, and, and they're about Jesus and how Jesus gets us. Like, you know, it's just seeing Jesus in a whole different kind of way. And, and the one that stood out to me in the Super Bowl was the one where there are these contrasting images of protests and fights and arguments uh, before these words appear on the screen. Jesus loved the people we hate. Whew. Exactly what we're talking about. Watch the commercial. Maybe I'm blind Thinking I can see through this And see what's behind Got no way to prove it So maybe I'm lying Take a look in the mirror What do you see? Do you see it clearer? Or are you deceived? In what you believe Cause I'm only human You know, I, I got to tell you, I watch that, and I, man, it just affects me. I mean, it just, it speaks to my core of who I am. And, and you look at that, and you think, well, nobody's going to be offended by a commercial that just shows how 
current culture is and, and the fact that Jesus understands us. That's, there's nothing to be offended with that. I read this article online that said, the campaign called Simply He Gets Us has spurred backlash in some circles as both right and left wing figureheads question their background and depiction of Christianity. I'm thinking, how can you be offended by that? It's just saying Jesus understands who we are. And last week we, we talked about the, the, the woman caught in the act of adultery and how she was brought before the guys in the middle of the town and said, listen, this is what she's done. She's desert, she deserves to be stoned to death. Jesus, what do you think? And Jesus bends down and he writes something in the sand that we're not quite sure what it is, but everybody one by one got up and started leaving. And I'm looking at it thinking, that's who this commercial represents. It's the people that don't know that they're being so outlandish and that we're destroying our culture by throwing the stones at each other. But yet that's what we're doing. We're destroying the people around us. And to destroy the people around us, you have to understand that there are those people that are causing a lot of this to happen. You know who those people are? Those people are not just offended by that commercial and these Jesus ads, but those people are a challenge to be around just in general. You know who those people are again? You know any of those people? They're super critical of everything. You know those people? Those people are very controlling those people can be really, really mean. Those people kind of know everything about everything. Those people. Now, if you don't know those people, I'm sure you do. You go to a family gathering, there's always one of those people at the family gathering. And if you don't know who one of those people are at your family gathering, it's probably you. So just so you know that, you might want to... Search deep inside and see, see what's there, you know? So how do we deal with those people? How do we deal with those people in a way that we can support them and show the love of God to them, even if we think they're wrong? Because we're not called to be right. We're called to be loving. So how do we show the love of God to those people? Again, last week we talked about the greatest commandment, which is what? to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, everything, and love your neighbor as yourself. And who's your neighbor? Everyone. It's not just the person that lives next door to you. It's not just the person that lives in your subdivision. It's everyone. It's people that look like you and people that don't look like you. It's people that believe like you and people that don't believe like you. It's people that are on your side of the political spectrum and people that are on the other side of the political spectrum. It's everyone around you. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that includes those people. I know those people are a little more difficult to love, especially today, because we have instant news updates, and we see those people on the news all the time. We have Facebook, where we see everything happening instantly, and we assume because somebody did something, they believe a certain way, and we make those assumptions, and we put them in the those people kind of categories, and it leaves us frustrated and angry, and it leaves us offended. Friends, here's a key scripture for you to hold on to. If you're going to write something down, if you're going to underline something, write down Ephesians 4, because we all need this scripture in our lives. Here it is. 
in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God has forgiven you. I know this one's hard. Kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. How you doing with that today? Are you kind? Are you compassionate? Are you forgiving? Are you not easily offended? How you doing with that? Let's break this scripture down and go through it a little bit here. It's a basic teaching today. We're just basically walking through this scripture. So here it is, Ephesians 4, 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. It starts out pretty good right there, guys. I mean, it really, really does. In your anger, do not sin. When I read that, here's what it says to me. It's not a sin to be angry. Okay, it's not. That's good news. You know why? Because a lot of us tend to get angry. A lot of us. And a lot of us that just said amen get more angry than others of us that just don't say that. Yeah, I mean, we just tend to get angry. And it's good news because the chances are if you go out anywhere and you interact with anyone, if you go online and interact with anyone, if you open up a news app and read the stories, there's a good chance that you will be offended. Anybody get offended recently? There's a good chance that you'll be angry. And I have to physically tell myself this statement, no one wins if I'm offended. No one. Will you say that out loud? No one wins if I'm offended. No one wins if you're offended. No one wins if your spouse is offended. No one wins if your kids are offended. No one wins if I'm offended. Do you have any more joy in your life when you get ticked off about something someone said to you? I mean, is your joy just kind of overflowing out of you when you're angry? No. It's just the opposite. The only thing overflowing out of you is, is hatred and, and, and offense, and you're just spewing that all over everyone. Is there any more joy in your life when you're ticked off? Is your marriage better when you're mad about something that someone did to offend you? Chances are no, because you're spewing that all over your spouse, and now they're upset because you're upset, and you're both angry, and it causes for disruption in your marriages. Are you closer to God with all the hatred and the unforgiveness filling you up because someone hurt you? Are you? No, you're not. You're just not. You need to remember that no one wins when you live offended, and you will be offended. Every day, you'll be offended by someone or something. So what do you do? Well, you have to remember that being offended is inevitable, but living offended is a choice. You will be offended, but how you live is your choice. 
And sometimes we need to start to grow up a little bit and go, I'm just not going to react to things. I'm going to logically think through things. And if I live offended, that's because I've chosen to live offended. I might offend you today, snowflakes. Just kidding. Just for dramatic effect. I don't mean it. I hope I offended you. Not really. Okay. I might offend you today. Somebody might offend you, offend you today as you're trying to get out of the church parking lot. And you might be so offended that you give them a hand gesture. Like a wave. Or a thumbs up. Or whatever you may do. You, you, you know, you, you, you're going to be offended, but you get to choose That's why the Apostle Paul says this, not to hold on to your anger. Not to hold on to your anger. You know what happens when you hold on to your anger? You replay it in your mind. Anybody else do that? Like like something happened last week and and you're still replaying it in your mind because you're still holding on to that anger and you're getting a cup of water in the sink and all of a sudden, I can't believe they did that. That was a week ago, a month ago. A year ago, you just replay it over and over and over in your mind. And because you're doing that, you're giving the devil the father of lies, the prince of darkness. You're giving him what Scripture calls a foothold in your life. Now, I've read that Scripture millions of times growing up and as an adult. And I always thought of a foothold as like, you know, you open the door and you don't want somebody to come in and they stick their foot in the door while you're trying to close it. That's a foothold to get into your life, right? Or a foothold if you're a rock climber, which I would never be because I'm terrified of heights. But if you're a rock climber and and you're climbing and you kind of swing your leg up and get your toes in the middle of a crevice so you can kind of climb up to the next level, that's kind of a foothold as well. And both of those things are right. But the word in the Greek is a different word than what those mean. It's topos, and it means um, to literally a play, have a place or a room where somebody resides. So if Satan's getting a foothold in your life, that means you're opening up this room or this place for him to live inside of your life. You're giving him room to work in your life. And I don't know about you, I don't need the Satan, I don't need the devil having a foothold in my life because my life can be bad enough on its own. I can screw things up just fine by myself without opening up a room for Satan to live in inside my life with anger and bitterness and and being offended. And I don't want him having access to anything that matters to me. Do you? I hope not. I mean, I don't want my anger my being offended, my passion for what's wrong in this world, to give the devil access to attack anything that's close to me. I don't want to give him access to my marriage. Marriage is tough enough as it is. We've been married like 34 years. It's tough. It's a lot of give and take. It's a lot of making things right. It's a lot of, you know, you know apologizing and, and being there for the other person. I don't need Satan having a foothold in my life to where he can come and break that intimacy in our marriage. I do that quite well on my own many times. I don't need him doing that. I I, I don't need him having access because I'm offended at what somebody did to me. I don't need him having access to destroy uh, my, my relationship with my kids. 
I, I just don't need that in my life, causing division between you and, and your kids. I don't need that in my life. I don't want him to have the ability to attack my friends and to destroy my friendships. I don't want that. I need those people in my life. I need them to do life with. And I don't want to give them access to this church. Which if I open up a foothold in my life with anger and with this being offended, that's exactly what he's going to do because he'll take my words and he'll twist them. And he does that anyway. I don't want to give him the foothold to destroy us by being offended. If we live in anger and bitterness and we get offended easily, Scripture says your spiritual enemy has access to your life, and I don't want that for you, and I don't want that for me. Craig Rochelle says this. He was trying to think of a, a different way to put this. He said, what would we try to do as the forces of darkness, if we were the forces of darkness, to break the heart of God, to hurt God's people? And he came up with these three Ds of destruction. Divide families, friends, and churches. That's a big one. Distract Christians from their mission. Another big one. And discredit their witness. Think about this. Think about dividing families, friends, and churches. It's not real hard, is it? How many friends have you lost since COVID? Yeah? Several. Several. How many family have you had arguments and division with because of political reasons? How many churches have been split apart? How many? So many that we can't even count. I mean, again, you throw in a few things to cause division, throw in, again, the political debates, and they're getting ready to come back up again, and you believe strongly on one thing, somebody else believes strongly on another, and you get this, this rage going against each other, does nothing but divide us. You look at some of the racial tensions that, that happen and are still happening you know, all around our country, and, and then you take those racial tensions and you mix them with these very toxic-type opinions, and it's division, and then you throw in some vaccine stuff. Still highly debated topics. And you look at the division that happens because of those. You're destroying friendships and you're destroying families and you're destroying churches and you're destroying marriages. But what happens if we quit being divided on everything because we're offended? Then we're united. And when we're united as Christ followers, we can make a massive impact on this world when we're united on the love of Jesus and how we're supposed to be loving towards everyone, no matter who they are, what they are, where they are. When we're united on that, we can make a massive difference. But as long as we're angry and offended, we'll never make a difference. Satan has the foothold that he needs in our lives. The second thing that he would do if uh, Groeschel, if he were to hurt God's people as one of the evil spies, is that he would distract Christians from their mission. Huh. I just got to tell you this. We've been distracted from our mission forever. Why? Because we focus on things that we shouldn't be focused on. I, I mean, just get us arguing about anything as Christ followers. Get us boycotting some business. 
Get us angry about some sin that's out there. Get us complaining that other Christians don't do the things that we think they should do the same way that we think that they should do them. And so they're not really Christ followers because they're different than us and they don't believe exactly like us. And because of that, we have all this division over stuff happening. And then you start sending conspiracy theory videos to the people around you in your Christian network. And it's like, you're not on mission anymore. You're not here loving people into the kingdom of Jesus. You're just here fighting. And you're not making any impact. You're just fighting the people around you. So distract Christians from our mission, divide us, and finally discredit our witness. Is that very hard to do? <laughs> no. All you have to do is look around and, and, and you start getting into this conspiracy stuff or you start getting angry about something and you're offended about something and you start spewing that out there and the people around you are going, that's why I don't believe in Jesus. Because these people are worse than everyone else. I don't want to be part of them because they're so bad. They're so angry. They're so rude. They're so offended. You look at that and you go, our witnesses are just shot because of how we live our lives. Don't, don't, don't miss Ephesians 4.26 because I, I think the forces of darkness are using all of those Ds to really destroy us and we don't even realize it. Here, here's, here's Ephesians 4.26. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Can I say that one more time? Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Why? Why? Why not let the sun go down? Because when you let the sun go down while you're still angry, you stew on it all night, and you never accomplish the resolution that you need, and you never build healthy relationships. You're just destroyed. Don't let the day come to an end while you're harboring all of that hatred because it's not healthy for anyone. That means the day that you get hurt should also be the day that you work through it. Anybody shake their head to that? The day you get hurt is the day you should work. I know there are different personality styles. I get it. I, I know that some people need some time to work through things, to process things, to, to make things okay in their lives. I, I know that. But the same day that someone offends you, is the same day as followers of Jesus that you need to be working to fix that relationship. Whether you're right, they're right, nobody's right. That's the way it should happen. How different do you think our friendships would be and our families would be and the body of Christ would be if on the day that I offended you and I will offend you, on the day that I offended you, I owned up to it and I apologized. Said, you know, I'm struggling with this. I'm sorry if I offended you today. Would you forgive me? How different would this culture look if we simply did that and meant it? Not just said it, but meant it. Or on the day that you offended me, I chose to forgive you because, guys, I've been, I've been forgiven for so much stuff. I have no right to hold on to anything. Jesus forgave me for so much, and he continues to do that. Why wouldn't I be forgiving to you? We had a misunderstanding, okay. We had an argument, okay. Maybe you hurt me. 
But what would happen if both of you actually said, this, we need to move past this? I mean, I'm still hurt, I'm still offended, but I'm going to forgive you and really mean that and say, let's, let's find a way to work through this so that we can be better and everything can be better around us. Because if you're holding on to it, you'll never be what God wants you to be. You've got to work towards that healing. It would change absolutely everything if you do that. Let's keep going. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. How are you doing with that one? How's your language? How are you speaking to the people around you? How are you speaking to the people that are part of your life or that you're around? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. That means no belittling anyone. No bad-mouthing anyone. No criticizing. No gossip. No name-calling. Don't let anything come out of your mouth except for what is helpful to build others up to encourage people. Here are a few things, if you want to do this, that I find really important. The first one is this, never call anybody names. If you only want to speak what's encouraging to people, never call anyone names. Jerk. Sissy. That one might be all right. I don't know. Idiot. Stupid. Those are things that I focus on my dogs when I, when I get upset. So I call them names so I don't call other people names like that. that. That's how I handle it. I'm sorry, dogs. That's what I do. Here's the second thing. Never raise your voice. Is that hard for anyone else? My voice must just naturally be loud. Because every argument I have with my wife, she says, quit yelling at me. I'm going, I'm not yelling at you. Yes, you are yelling at me. No, I'm not yelling at you. And it goes like that. And she's a redhead. She can yell really, really loud. <laughs> Quit raising your voice. I'm working on that one. How about this one? Never get historical. Not hysterical. That, that's not good either. Never get historical. In other words, you're not bringing up something that happened two years ago that you haven't worked through yet just to put them in their place. Don't do it. You only deal with now, and you deal with what's going to benefit you in the future. The past is already in the past. You're not going to change that. You can only work on where you are now and where the future can go. So don't get historical. Hey, here's another one. Never say never or always. Because never and always are never, never and always. You never do that. Well, I did it yesterday. I did it last week for you. You always are negative. I just bought you flowers. Is that positive? It's never a never or an always. We're humans. We ebb and we flow. Our lives change and we learn and we grow and we're different. Never and always are never appropriate terms to say. Five, maybe this is the most important rule. Never quote your pastor during a fight. I get calls all the time. Listen, I told him that you said that. Here, tell him that you said that. Tell him, let him know that. I don't want to be in the middle of your arguments. You guys work it out. Learn how to speak good things to each other. Just leave me out of the middle. 
Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. It's like the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm going to name everything that I can. I mean, everything that I can, right? Everything that I can, because you're going to try to find a loophole to get out of this. And so to close the loophole, I'm going to say this, and every form of malice. In other words, everything you can think of, loophole is closed, you can't use it. And then verse 32 is so good. Because he doesn't say, you know, go be arrogant about your moral superiority. He doesn't say be critical of everyone who thinks differently than you do. He doesn't say be harsh because you're dealing with a bunch of idiots. That's not what he says. He says be kind and compassionate. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Let that sink in for just a minute. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. We're supposed to get rid of the anger and slander and malice, and instead we should be kind and compassionate and forgiving. Here's the challenge with that. To be kind and compassionate and forgiving you have to get up close and personal with people. Because doing that from a distance doesn't really work. I mean, you can be nice to people, but to be kind to people. It takes knowing someone to see what's happening in their life to love them. You have to get into someone's world to truly get up close and personal and know what's in there. You have no idea what's happening in somebody's life. No idea. You have no idea what someone else is going through. You have no idea what happened to them that morning before you ran into them and you were both negative to each other and now you're both ticked off. You have no idea what's happening in someone's life. You have to get into their worlds to understand what's really going on. And if you're not willing to do that, then quit spouting off the anger and the offensive talk on the outside. Get to know someone. Figure out what's happening in their lives. Learn and see and feel their pain. Because you might be surprised why somebody's acting the way they're acting. I'm going to close with this prayer from Psalm 139, just verses 23 and 24. And I'm going to read that, and then I'm going to ask you, to pray that with me, and then I'm going to ask you to read it with me as we close out this morning. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Will you say that out loud with me right now? Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you search me and you search everyone in this room and everyone that watches this teaching. God, know our hearts. Test us and and know how anxious we are and and know our thoughts and know our offenses and, and, and know our pain. God, see if there's anything offensive in us. God, may we be open and clean with you. May you see deep inside of us to know if there's anything offensive in us. 
And please, God, lead us in your paths, in your ways, so that we can make an impact on this world, so that we can impact our families and impact our spouses and our kids and, and, and our coworkers. God, help us to be the kind of Christ followers that you want us to be, loving people, not hating them. And it's in Jesus' name.